When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's coming through the middle. Recovering challenge from Edwards. Here's Hayter. He's onside. Hayter. He's got it. It's absolutely unbelievable. James Hayter has a three-minute hat-trick at deep court. Hello there, it's episode 41 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. I'm Sean Barker. And I'm Sam Davis. Yeah, and thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, posts, comments on Facebook and Twitter over this last week. Thank you, and we really do appreciate that. Plus, um, there's also been a number of votes cast our way for the British Podcast Awards which sounds very, very exciting. Sam, I am now ironing my tuxedo. <laughs> but hang on a sec, you're, you've got joint nationality, haven't you? So maybe just the bottom half of you will have to fly over, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just my just my undie half, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you more details of that later on, though. But yeah, I, I did put out a tweet, and it'll be interesting to see where it gets us. But anyway, for now, let's see what we've got in store for you this week. So Bournemouth registered their first Premier League double this weekend with a victory over Swansea, which leaves us nine points clear of the drop zone and all of a sudden pushing for the top half of the table. Europe, anybody? We'll have Michael's match report, plus we'll have your thoughts as well as those from the media. Yeah, so that was the first Cherries win of the weekend. Uh, But there was a second victory which came on Sunday at the Hamworthy Club where an AFC Bournemouth fans team smashed more buses 6-2 at Magna Road. Now, the event was put on to raise money for Ethan's wishes. Now, you'll have heard about Ethan on, I don't know, it's about two or three podcasts ago, but it was also to support young Cherries fan Jacob, aged four years old, who has cerebral palsy. Now, we were at the game... And we also bring you our match report of the action. Yep, and then I'll bring you what appears to be a new weekly feature as I have a brand new conspiracy theory for you. Now, last week it was Sam with his Smithy listens to steps nonsense. But this week I have some thoughts on arson, arsenal and how. We'll then preview Cherry's next match, and that is against our friends down the road as we travel to St. Mary's to face the League Cup losers. Bit harsh? Nah, Southampton. (laughs) Not at all. So all that is coming up, but we kick off the show with another Do You Remember? So here's some commentary from a recent Cherry's game, courtesy of Chris Temple from BBC Radio Solent. But can you tell us which match it was? 
Ritchie with some smart new green boots and he hits the bar with them in his very first effort. Bielkowski beaten, Pugh in the penalty area, left-hand side, drives it across, Arta volleys it, blocked by Skoos and eventually it's out of the penalty area. Here they come again, the Cherries down the right, what a fast start, Francis to the byline, pulls it in towards the end, going again, what a goal! That is all you can say about that, what a goal! So there we are. But can you guess which match that was? I certainly can. Uh, well, because I put the feature together, but I do remember it very well. You'll probably remember the goal from Chris Temple's reaction. But can you tell me which team it was against and also what season it was as well? We'll give you the answer at the end of the show. Yeah, but now it's time to get stuck into the weekend's action. And whilst England didn't exactly triumph over Ireland in the egg chasing, in a more important international fixture on Saturday, they did manage to get one over the Welsh as the Jack Army were put to bed in a professional performance at Dean Court. And describing the action for back of the net is Michael Dunn. Our resurgent cherries capped another magnificent march with a 2-0 victory over European rival Swansea City at Dean Court on Saturday. It was an afternoon of some note as Bournemouth recorded the first top-tier double in the club's history, the first back-to-back wins of the season and a clean sheet to boot. Most significantly of all for those of us of a certain age, the champions of 1987 made an emotional return to the Dean Court pitch they once strode like titans into a wonderful and well-deserved standing ovation. With Harry Arthur's calf injury ruling him out of contention for both Bournemouth and Ireland but not, it appears, a seat on the plane to Dubai, Eddie immediately restored Andrew Sermon to the midfield in an otherwise unchanged starting eleven. Lewis Cook made the bench ahead of Lisa Mousset and, despite describing himself as surprised by Jack Wilshere's omission from the recently announced England squad, the manager left the on-low midfielder amongst the substitutes. The buzz of the BT Sport drone over Kings Park must have caused some confusion at the coin toss, as Jack Court managed to hoodwink Simon Francis into attacking the Steve Fletcher stand in the first half. Despite the shudder this omitted from the faithful, it had little impact on events on the pitch, and there was little to choose between the two sides in the opening exchanges. Ryan Fraser and Gilfie Sigerson both went close before Fraser's precise cross was headed narrowly wide by Benny Cofobe, and Fernando Llorente's knockdown was smashed over the Ted McDougall stand by Sigerson to much relief. The Icelander was soon back in the action, however, and the closest either team came to scoring in the first half hour was when his free kick was headed just past Arthur Boritz by a sheepish-looking Josh King. After an abnormally reserved Mike Dean had waved away Paul Clement's side's claim for a penalty when Mark Pugh was unable to pull his arm out of the way of a Tom Carroll shot fast enough, the Cherries took the lead on 31 minutes. Reckless positioning by the Swans' defence allowed Mark Pugh to slip in Benicophobe, who, despite almost colliding with King, managed to get his shot off. It was struck with about as much force as his penalty from the previous match against West Ham United and appeared to be going wide until Alfie Mawson realised Bennett needed a bit of a lift and kindly deflected the ball past Fabianski and into the away side's goal. As the half drew to a close, Boris stepped into the limelight. 
First, a Sunday league-style mix-up with Steve Cook almost ended in embarrassment, and then a laudable full-stretch save ensured that Sigurdsson's long-range strike did not level the scores. During the interval, 11 members of the squad that won the third division title in 1987 under Harry Redknapp took the applause of the Cherry Nation young and old. Despite all of the success we have seen at our football club in recent years, this remains a high point in the history of AFC Bournemouth, and the sight of Carl Richards wiping away the tears as he took the lap of honour on his field of dreams with his old teammates will live long amongst the memories of that magnificent campaign. Our current crop of heroes in red and black did not want to let down the boys of 87 and set about Swansea in the second half with renewed vim. Fabianski was called to make a low save from Dan Gosling's long-range effort and the other pole in goal was forced to stop Fraser's strike after he'd given the ball away to the wee man due to careless distribution. Swansea then refound their feet to threaten our slim lead. Sigurdsson hit a free kick into the Bournemouth wall after Sermon had tripped Tom Carroll and in a series of blocks from Steve Cook, most notably from substitutes Luciano Narsing and Wayne Routledge, led to audible questions amongst the home support regarding the bona fides of Gareth Southgate's opticians. Benny Kofobi did his bit amongst this rearguard action when clearing a Lorente knockdown, but upon seeing best pal Jack Wilshire preparing to replace him on the touchline, the Congolese thought he ought to get himself back up front pronto, and upon arrival, doubled the Cherries' lead in some style after 72 minutes. Gosling stole the ball from Cork in midfield and found King, who in turn laid it off to a Fobe. Our number nine then powered past Mawson, who elected to take a Pratt foal rather than risk another own goal. Benick still had it all to do, but with dead-eye precision, fired his shot through a tiny gap between Fabianski and Cork, and the ball bounced in off the far post. There was no call for the dubious goals panel this time around, and although Afobi may not have merited the Man of the Match award he would collect later, the boost to his confidence heading into the final quarter of the season could prove invaluable. Wilshire finally came on for Ryan Fraser once the celebrations had died down, and although he appeared to be having some issues with his magic hat, Jack was able to deliver a pinpoint cross onto the head of Josh King, who drew the save of the match from Fabianski, who dived fast and low to his right to deny the Norwegian. We then saw out the contest in comfortable fashion to take a priceless three points going into the international break. When we won at Swansea on New Year's Eve, we went tenth in the table and a happy new year looked as good as nailed on at Dean Court. It didn't exactly work out as planned, but after claiming 11th spot and opening up a nine-point gap between us and the drop zone at the weekend, Eddie's dream in 2017 might not turn out to be such a fantasy after all. Yeah, that's right. Isn't it weird how only a few weeks ago we were teetering with relegation and in opinion polls people were split and now we're pushing for the top 10? It's just ridiculous, but there are some hard games on the way. Now, Michael Dunn, who did that match report, can be found on Twitter at All Departments and, of course, you can give us a follow too at AFCB Podcast as well. Now, in terms of the fan thoughts, got to say a big thank you to Ben Phillips and also Matt from AFCB TV who got in touch to air their Cherry's views. We've also got the views of Graham Lasso from Match of the Day too. Plenty of song choices coming through on Twitter, but we're going to cut to the chase because this week it's Chris Root who wins it. And as Cherries secured their first ever Premier League double, it's time for double loving from the Osmonds. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben Phillips. 
Um, I'm 10 from Bournemouth, um, and I'm giving you my opinion on Bournemouth's game versus Swansea at the weekend. I thought Swansea didn't really oppose a threat at all, but when when they did get a half chance or two, Bournemouth defended well. I thought Josh King played very well with his pace. Mark Pugh was brilliant with his skills and <coughs> literally blown away the defenders. Uh, Jack Wilshire was good when when he came on. His cross for, uh, I think it was Joshua King's chance, was good. Um, and overall, I think my man of the match would be Mark Pugh. Thank you. An incredible performance. We have won back-to-back games for the first time in a year or something. And... We are now nine points from relegation. An absolute brilliant game. Uh, two goals from Fove. That was one thing we had to take note of. And we're not conceding as many as we were those last few months. And I feel like there we have seen some significant difference from the team. Southampton up next. And then we've got the massive line of games. Liverpool, Chelsea and Tottenham back to back. Bournemouth, you know, they weren't exceptional, but they they played well enough. And Swansea were, you know, they tried to go and play pretty defensively to start off with, and that worked for 30 minutes until they sort of lost their shape needlessly, really. And and you've got Fernandes here. They're in a good line there, and there's no danger, really, until Fernandes decides that he's going to suddenly step out and go and engage with King. And that leaves a gap. Any striker's going to run into it, and a phobie gets away. He's very lucky with the shot, but... Um, very lucky not to get the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marginally going past the post, so... <laughs> Once again, a big thanks to Ben, Matt and Graham Lasso for their views. Do you remember his cracking goal against Brazil? Oh, that was a sweet finish for England. And anyway, uh, and Chris Root. So a superb match choice. And thanks very much for that. We also got a number of tweets over the weekend about the game, which we'll be reading out later. But just one thing. Do remember that speaking your views does make much better podcast material than typing them and means you don't have to hear Basically, Sam Davis talk a lot. So to get involved after the Saints game, please just pick up the phone and give us a call on 01202 901048. It's uh, easy voicemail, so you don't speak to anyone. Um, we haven't got anyone there 24-7, just sat waiting. Hello, what's your views? So you can just leave a message or on your phone, just record your own audio using whatever voice note system you've got and email it to fans at afcbpodcast.com yeah it's really gets it's really great to get your views now just before we get going uh just wanted to say massive congratulations to the afc bournemouth under 18s team who beat luton town 2-1 in the final of the youth alliance cup at dean court tonight that's uh tuesday night there was a confirmed attendance of around 1,000 for the match. Uh, even saw stewards need to open up the North Stand. Anyway, goals from Jaden Anthony and Charlie Seaman secured the win. So, uh, yeah, things are looking good.
looking bright all round. But winding back to Saturday now, uh, Sean, Wilshire again on the bench and Sermon straight in for Arta. <laughs> Were you surprised yet again by more Drew loyalty from Mr Howe? No, not I wasn't at all, actually. And I watched the BT Sport coverage of, of this game. Um, so the same as I think what most of you guys were, were watching. And uh, the, I can't remember the name of the presenter guy because I don't see him often. But man, he kept banging on about Wilshire not playing. And that I don't know if you saw the post-match interview with Eddie, which yeah. I thought was embarrassing, the way he was like <laughs> grilling Eddie on it. And... Even during the game when Keown kept going on about, oh, he's obviously not performing well enough. Like, the system at the moment doesn't fit necessarily with Wilshire playing. And with with Gosling in there um, and doing a really great job, there was just, I don't think, space to have Gosling and Wilshire as just the two in the middle, which is why he went for Sermon. Like, for me, I felt it was a bit of a non-story that they're trying to make into a story. Yeah, so it's Jake Humphrey on BT Sport. And I think what he's probably doing there is trying to cater for the masses because he knows that he's got a lot of Arsenal fans that are watching. I mean, you see when AFC Bournemouth announced their team an hour before kickoff on Twitter, the amount of Arsenal fans that respond (laughs) is absolutely incredible. And they've just got this... uh, almost stalkerish interest in Jack Wilshire. I mean, I know he's been an Arsenal lad through and through, but it is a little strange. And some some Arsenal fans also, even when he was, you know, had slight niggles, seemed to think it was just mad for Bournemouth to be leaving him out. And, you know, Jack Wilshire is now playing for a side that is managing his fitness better than he's ever had it managed. So, um, and I, I actually responded with that exact sentence to a guy on um, over Twitter, an Arsenal fan who who took exception to that. But uh, yeah, it seemed to be a very good lineup from what I thought. And Bournemouth were very professional throughout, really. But Swansea, I've got to say, for a team that was in a relegation scrap, were a bit disappointing. They were awful, weren't they? And we said last week we it, a big part of this game because it was a big game you know, for both sides. And it was a case of how would Swansea respond after that defeat against Hull? Because they'd kind of, they'd been on a pretty good run of form and things were picking up with the new boss. And then that Hull defeat, I don't know whether they looked at that whole game and thought, ah, yeah, we're going to win this one and then we're going to beat Bournemouth and we're going to be clear. And then they lost that whole game. But they just, they didn't really look that interested. They looked pretty disorganised. I know they had problems with their fullbacks and I mean Leroy Fur playing at right back I would imagine when Eddie and JT saw the lineup they thought yep we've got an opportunity here and to be fair that first goal that we got um, one Fernandez getting dragged out of position was ridiculous for a centre-back to go wandering as far as he did to follow King but the way Fur didn't tuck back in there was that just Moses-like ocean parting for well king or a phobe and obviously a phobe got on it and <laughs> shanks won wide and that was the bit of luck that i know he hasn't been credited with the goal and i can understand why because it's gone wide but still to have that feeling of running to the north stand having scored eight goal i'm doing quotation marks um still that was what i think bennett needed and finally he got a break yeah, it sort of reminded me of the goal, uh, Dan Gosling's goal against Hull uh, earlier on in the season when we won 6-1 and Charlie Daniels just 
uh, skipped through about three or four players and then it just broke. And yeah, Benicophobe, I mean, was it going wide? Because I couldn't really tell, but all the pundits say it was. You're nodding your head there. So yeah, you think it was. But yeah, like you say, um, and it's been interesting to see this sort of stories in the week that have developed after that, that saying he lost his head and he had a sort of heart to heart with Eddie Howe, who um, just told him to keep going, keep going. And, you know, I'm glad that he's a player that is turning it around, whereas there have been others before that that just don't and effectively just end up leaving the club. Yeah, it was pretty honest, wasn't it? He even said about how he wasn't, he knew he wasn't trying as hard as he should in training and stuff. So, yeah, you're right. And he's since then, he's he has dug in and... You know, his work rate, I think, has been fantastic. And the link up with King, the way that they can swap positions, I mean, for me, that makes sense why Wilshire's not in at number 10 at the moment because you've got these two guys causing trouble. And we've got that pace in attack and we're getting wide and we're getting behind them again. And we, you know, we look dangerous. And now Benick's got a couple of goals. I think I'd expect even more from him now, I guess. Yeah, so Swansea's Mawson is just one of three players, along with teammate Jack Cork, and one other to score two top-flight own goals this season. Have a guess who the other one is, Sean. Oh, it's one of ours, isn't it? Is yes, it, it is, is. Is it Cookie? No, it no. is another central defender that may be out at the moment. <laughs> it's Mr it, yeah, Mings himself, it yeah. <laughs> of course so it that's is. So a, that's a stat that the BBC picked up from somewhere. But yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting game because even though Swansea were poor, we weren't brilliant. And even on match of the day, like Graham Lasseau said, you know, we didn't have to be exceptional to beat this side. No, it was like a lot of people saying afterwards, they were using words like professional, solid. And it's fascinating how after discussions around we've only got one way to play and all that kind of stuff, you know, we ground out a, a, a draw at Old Trafford where it was a backs-against-the-wall defensive display. We've done a very professional job at home against a team near us. Like, we... Yeah, we we always did enough. You always felt we were one step ahead. And if at any point we needed to really kick on and, and put the game to bed, we could, and we did with the second goal. And it just... After that you didn't really have any big worries, did you? We literally just kind of saw the game out, really. It was, yeah, professional, very professional. It certainly wasn't a TV spectacle for a Saturday night, I've I've got to say. I mean, I think more people would have probably been watching the Six Nations than were tuned into BT Sport. But there was an occasion where Swansea went near our goal and Steve Cook lunged in with a with a brilliant sort of challenge and then we eventually cleared it and that was it really but I can't really remember any shots on target that troubled Arta Boric but we did score again and it was Benicophobe as Michael said and Josh King won the ball and yeah he slotted it through nicely and for a minute you kind of wondered, was he going to fall over or was he going to... Because he had to sort his feet out, didn't he? Because the ball was kind of under him. And then he had to just make sure that he didn't tread on the ball. And it, it laid quite nicely. And I wouldn't say it was a scuffed shot, but it wasn't exactly the cleanest hit. But it was it was good enough to go into the corner. I mean, if his first goal didn't give him confidence, the second goal would have, would have done, surely. Yeah, it had to. And it was funny because, again, I think Dan Gosling, again, I think he had a great game. And both goals were Gosling, King and Afobe. It was the three linking up, wasn't it, where Gosling's driving forward. And, yeah, I think the way he sorted his feed out there was was brilliant. Like, that's, 
his first touch is the ball's kind of pretty close to his feet, wasn't he? And for him to be able to sort his feet out, get his body shape right, there was a lot of there was a lot of technical ability, I think, displayed in that goal that you could you could kind of blink and miss, I think, and think he's kind of stumbling. I think if you actually break it down, he knew exactly what he was doing. He needed he knew the body shape, he knew the angle of his foot, and he knew where to put the ball. And yeah, again, I mean it was nice for him to get that. If 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 we'd a one one nil and even though it was Bennett's shot for the first goal, it had been taken away, I think that second goal was because like you said, it was absolutely Bennett's goal and a great finish. And hopefully, yeah, just mm. from from there he'll keep going. And but yes, also I know because um, in terms of man of the match and that kind of stuff, Steve Cook that those that double block was I mean that was goal saving, mm. wasn't it? And yeah, we'll talk later on about Cookie in England, but um, another great performance. But from the whole the whole side play well, and Pew's come back in, and and it's like the days of the Championship and League One with Pew again. It's all working out and. Yeah, and then Jack came on, and even when Jack came on, he that great cross for King, and and you just got to say what a fantastic save that was to keep out the header, and then yeah, we even had a shot in the in the last kind of kick of the game, wasn't it, where Jack almost got that goal we've all been waiting for, but yeah, again, it was just straight down his throat, but yeah, it was just it was a good solid victory and a clean sheet, which is really really important. Yeah, and with with King's header, um, he did everything right. I mean, you know, they're told to hit it. I mean, to be honest, if he had he'd have not put it into the ground, there's a chance it would have gone in. But I mean, he had a great performance. Just got to say, as Ben said, Mark Pugh, I thought was excellent. Um, he, he just proves his doubters wrong time and time again. Dan Gosling, I thought, was immense. Uh, he really does put in a shift, and. Oh, what well, such a superb performance. But one, unfortunately, that um, podcast listener Steve Wright could not watch. He couldn't make the game as his son Joe dislocated and broke his leg at football. He's having the op next week. In fact, I think he had it today. So that was Tuesday. Um, so Steve was listening to our podcast uh, in the hospital whilst waiting for Joe to come out of theatre. It helped keep Steve's mind off things. But Joe, we wish you all the best. I've heard that... You are a cracking footballer. And hey, why not take part in some podcast material after the Saints game? Why not send us a clip? Just let us know you're okay. So yeah, just some comments. Yeah, all the best. Um, just some uh, comments about the game. Um, Sam Green, uh, King and Afobe, showed why starting with two strikers is key to our style of play. Personally, though, I'd like to see Jack in CDM. What's that? Central defensive midfielder? Is that what it means? That is, yes. <laughs> with Harry Arter. And Patrick Devitt gave us a number of tweets, said, this has to be the first time the deflections have gone our way this season. The Mawson own goal and Afobe's goal finally broke our way. Clean sheet from a total team effort cook and francis went unchallenged all day uh went on to say uh boric was solid love what pew's done and also the way that pew combines with charlie daniels 11th place nine points clear april the first fixture could put the cherries in 10th that's mad isn't it to think uh now robert murphy also got in touch to say that's why you stick with a phobe get in and paul kenwood's got a Got a conspiracy theory of his own, which may match yours later, Sean. We'll have to we'll have to see when uh, we get to that. But he says a new theory for our win. Uh, Mr. Tiggs, who he sits next to, that's Tony. He didn't have time for a pre-match coffee. That could be a plausible explanation for our win. Hmm. 
not sure I get that. But in terms of some puns, now, um, you've got this one in front of you, uh, Sean. Have you got a degree in French? Because I, I don't really know how to how to read it. So are you able to read Tim Hancock's pun there for us? Okay, so the Saturday headline, A phobe dances through dying swans as cherries pas de deux brings standing ovation. There you That's go. I, 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 I read it. I read it. <laughs> You've been doing your encore trickle or when you were at school, didn't you, eh? Yeah, uh, we... And also, uh, Tony Maycock, uh, Fat Blurk, uh, got in touch to say swans get a cob on as cherries Bennett a brace and muted the doubters with a whopping win. Brilliant stuff, Fat Blurk. Excellent stuff. Hey, now, Sam, I notice you, you're not reading out my pun that I, uh, I actually got in, into the pun game. I'm going to, I can't remember. I'm going to bring it up now. Here we go. Ready for this? See this, oh, go on, ladies and gentlemen. On, it's not often these days I bring out a pun because I just like to sit back and let you guys watch, but just soak this up. A phobe con go from strength to strength as his goals cause swan dive down league while cherries soar. <laughs> How long did that take you? That was absolutely brilliant. Well done, Sean. Well done. I think, uh, okay, you win the points this week. Uh, now, anyone that was eagle-eyed on Saturday will have noticed that the teams were led out by a toddler who had a walking frame. Now, this young Cherries fan is none other than Bournemouth Mad supporter Jacob Bucket. Yeah, Jacob is four years old and suffers from cerebral palsy. And this weekend, together with Ethan Burney from Ethan's Wishes, there was an event going on which aimed to raise some much-needed funds for both Ethan and Jacob. And Sam was there to find out what happened. Right, so I'm just on my way to the Hamworthy Club. This is Sunday lunchtime. Traffic is pretty awful. I always used to go to the club in Magna Road to watch the pre-season friendlies between AFC Bournemouth and Hamworthy every July, but unfortunately they don't do them anymore. But today I'm going to watch a charity football match, and this is raising money for Ethan Burney of Ethan's Wishes, and also Jacob, who's a young four-year-old Cherries fan with cerebral palsy. Now... Ethan was featured on the podcast a few weeks ago. Now, Alex Deutsch, Cherry's fan, made it possible for him to be on TV, which was one of his wishes. So he was on BT Sport and Harry Redknapp in the studio and Jake Humphrey wished him all the best. There may be a few Bournemouth players there today, who knows? But the attraction is watching a number of AFC Bournemouth fans playing more buses in a football match which will hopefully be full of goals and full of excitement and raising some great money for a good cause too. So just walking down the steps here onto the field at the Hamworthy, seems to be a fantastic turnout here. Looks like around 75 to 100 people and uh, I've just about managed to catch the teams come out. Okay, it's time to go, yes. Welcome both teams, come on, give them a huge round of applause. They're being led out by Ethan, there he is. Give us a wave, Ethan. How are you? Good to see you. Woo! There's Jacob as well. Hello, Jacob.
Yeah, so with me I've got Adrian Boyd from HRB, who are here doing the PA for the event, and um, it's been a good match so far, hasn't it? Well, we just had a goal, yeah, which which I missed, typically, <laughs> because I just nipped inside to see how much the carvery was, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I came out and missed it, but never mind. Yeah, it's a good turn up here so far, um, a great charity event. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, that looks like a free kick there. It so. certainly was. Yeah, so it was Alex uh, who scored the goal for the Bournemouth fans, uncharacteristically today playing in black and white, Adrian. Well, indeed, yeah. I'm not certain, I, I presume that's the only kit they could get. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it's really it's really great of all these guys out here. In fact, we could have another goal here. Oof. So, uh, so how did it come about that HRB got involved and you yourself got involved? Well, I've known Ethan for quite a while. Um, he's a friend of um, my nephew um, at Canford Heath School. And um, yeah, I've had his um, two older brothers, Brandon and Ryan, on my radio show. They're fantastic performers, you know, yeah. as far as singing and stage and all that sort of thing is concerned so um when i heard about this i thought well it'd be nice to come along and you know support them by making it a little bit more professional with a bit of music and some announcements and so on yeah great stuff well thanks very much yeah no worries Currently goals galore here. Bournemouth were 2 0 up, but then a bit of a blooper has made it 2 1. More buses just, just pulled one back. There seem to be more goals on the cards as well. Good start! So, half-time here at Hamworthy, and it's 2-1 to the AFC Bournemouth supporters, looking pretty strong. This team is full of youth, really, and uh, I can only imagine that's going to pay its dividends as the second half goes on. So with me is Nikki, who runs the Ethan's Wishes Facebook page, and at half-time you've had a raffle. Uh, when's the draw? Uh, they're just drawing it now. They're going to place the tickets on the prizes and people can come and pick their prizes, hopefully. There's some, yeah, and you know what? What a turnout it's been today. It's really good. There must be like 150 people here. Yeah, it's been brilliant. There's, there's loads of people here. I hear the yeah. score's going well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, Bournemouth are now 4-2 up. They've just scored a, a cracking goal in off the post. So for today... The money is being split 50-50 between Ethan's Wishes and Jacob's, is that right? Yeah, Jacob's. It's coming to Ethan's Wishes, but ja- uh, Jacob's a friend of Ethan's, and Ethan's asked that money goes to Jacob. So 50% of the money is going to Jacob, and the other 50% will be granted by Ethan on a wish that he wants to grant, because yeah. he wants to help other children now. He's been very fortunate yeah. to be able to be given some money himself to do the things he wants, and especially going to Florida. Yes. And he's really, really excited about that, and he now wants to help other children. Yeah, and I saw his appearance on BT Sport. He is a pro. He should be a pundit surely he certainly should be you never know what career he'll have in the future yeah thanks very much Nicky right so with me is Paul and you're from Dexter Sports are you Sports, yep. and you're here as well to sort of help uh, you know, raise money as well for Ethan yes we are so who's been the fastest shot so far today um well Adrian yeah. who's doing the um Coventry up there he's yeah. uh, 45 miles an hour which yeah. is a joint score with somebody else who I can't remember yeah so it's uh, 45 miles per hour and it looks like you've got some kind of speed gun contraption in your yep, hand so have. what does this do and how does it work this measures the speed of the ball as you uh, kick it in miles per hour or kilometers per hour we've got it set to miles per hour right okay I'm going to give this a go then there's there's one change. pound for you oh don't worry about the okay. change it's all right 
Um, 45 to beat. This is quite worrying. But Just I'm. Be careful. It's a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might end up on our backside. Yeah. Is it best to do? You know, like is it best to do it like side footed or just whatever suits However, you? Keep the ball low. Yeah, it seems to read a faster speed if the ball's low. Okay. It goes up in the air. It seems to be a bit slower. I'm going to try with my side low foot to start off with. Heart. Then yeah. here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Go. Thirty-four. Thirty-four miles an hour. Paul, Paul, you sure your machine's not broken? Yeah. Thanks very much. But uh, I think I'll uh, watch the game again now. Irving's guys have done this out of the goodness of their own hearts for Ethan and for Jacob. So come on everyone, let's hear you. Thank you Woo. to all of those wonderful players out there. Come on, let's hear you. <laughs> Woo. 6-2 the final score, but who gives it? Monkeys about the score. It's all about raising money, and thank you to all of you for coming along today. And again, thanks to all those fantastic uh, players out there for giving up their Sunday. If you bought raffle tickets, pop along to the gazebo and see if you so, yeah, as you heard, 6-2 to the AC Bournemouth fans and it was a cracking game of football to watch for the neutral but brilliant as a Bournemouth supporter to see us win yet another match, the second inside 24 hours but, of course, we were here to raise money for Ethan and Jacob and, well, it's done really well. The raffles raised loads of money, £2 for every adult entry too, loads of extra money in the coffers too. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great day all round. So it's been an incredible 18 months since Ethan's wishes were started and the amount of wishes granted has been amazing. And Ethan's family are so thankful for all the support received to date. Now, the family have decided it's time to pass all future fundraising activities over to the Dorset Children's Foundation to enable more children to benefit from the support locally. If, however, Ethan does need more support in the future, the charity will be there to support him. Uh, good stuff. So if you see Ethan out and about, please do say hello because he loves chatting to you all. I had a quick word with him and uh, Jacob at the Hanworthy Club on uh, Sunday afternoon. And yeah, they were in top, top spirits, kicking a football around. Ethan, tell you what, I saw his stint on BT Sport, as I said, but he could also be a goalie as well. But anyway, the Dorset Children's Foundations can be found on Facebook and that's at facebook.com slash the DCF charity. Now, as for Jacob, well, he loved the match on Sunday. And as Sophie Cook tweeted at the weekend, I've met Jacob a few times and he's an absolute star to true. And uh, speaking of Sophie, if you didn't catch the feature with her on the Premier League show on BBC Two on Thursday, now I urge you to catch up with it on iPlayer. It is a fantastic watch and also love the bit she mentions about Tommy Elphick. True class from our ex-captain. Now, Sean, earlier in the programme, you mentioned this sort of conspiracy theory. You are full of them. Can you can you tell me what this one's all about? OK, so uh, this week in the feature called Absolute Dribble That's Never Going to Come True, um, 
I've got a theory about Arsene Wenger and this Arsenal nonsense. So is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Like everything surely points to the fact that it's time for Arsene to move on. The fans have been over the last three probably even four years even, have, have slowly been rising their anger. And it's got to the point now where surely it's pretty untenable as a position. You also look at the team and you see how they're dropping performance-wise. And you go, well, Wenger's not going to be there for another 10 years. So at what point do they make the next step? I think the next step, seriously, from their point of view, is Eddie Howe. I think Eddie would fit in perfectly with a club like Arsenal that I feel have given great stability to Arsene Wenger over the last however many years. They've let him dictate the changing regime and had the training set up and at the players and the staff and everything, right? Which is what Eddie loves. It's a side that loves playing good football. So for me, I think it's the most logical point. However, I don't think Eddie Howe is in the position to take the job now. One, because I think he still needs experience. And two, very much strongly believe that Eddie has unfinished business with Bournemouth. There's more he can do, he feels, with AFC Bournemouth to get us more established, maybe push on who knows what, how high we could get. I think they know that possibly in the next two years, there might come the time when Eddie would move on. Now, if they go out and commit to a new manager now and they let them overhaul everything because they'd have to because Wenger's going, I think they'd run the risk of potentially missing that window to approach Eddie Howe. So I think that they've spoken with Wenger and they've gone, look, we just need to ride out the next year or two. And at that point, then we can make our approach for Eddie. Now, if Bournemouth, we stay up this year, and let's say next year, if we had a similar season to this year where we still kind of flirt in that bottom third, but we end up kind of being safe, at that point, does Eddie go, I've been here three years now, it's time to move on? Or if we become next year, we are a solid ninth or tenth all season, is at that point Eddie feels like he's done what he can, he's established us, and then it's time to move on? Maybe. That's my conspiracy. You've heard it here, possibly first. The only time I think I'll believe that, Sean, is if the Arsenal fans fly a plane over the stadium with Eddie Howe in or something like that. I cannot believe that there were two separate planes over the weekend. I mean, what were your thoughts on that? Is that is that going too far? Well, this whole plane thing's pretty weird, isn't it? Like, it never really used is. to have that back in the day. It's pretty, you know, and I mean, and, and to be fair, the Bournemouth fans are pretty grounded, <laughs> pun, in that yeah, our right. banners tend to be, you know, <laughs> constructed by a four-year-old and with a bit of sellotape and an old cereal box, but we're not quite at the plane stage. But I don't know. I just think there's, you know, maybe I'm talking nonsense, but I don't know. I think there's been discussions with us, and I think that's their plan. Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stand shouting up the cherries. You're listening to Back of the Net. So cherries travel to St Mary's on April Fool's Day in what's a half past five kickoff. It's live on BT Sport. And oh, Sean, I've got to say it now. I'm really fancying us in this fixture, but I would say that, wouldn't I? But before that comes the international break and you said earlier on we were going to just reference Steve Cook and his form for Bournemouth um 
should it have been merited with an England call-up? Because I, as along with many other Bournemouth fans, say he does. But it's not only the Bournemouth fans that are saying it too. Steve Cook's had an exceptional season, hasn't he? He has. And if you look at the Opta stats on amount of clearances, challenges and all that kind of stuff, Cookie's up there. And that's, you know, and as as they said, it's he's also, he's in a side that has been conceding goals and, and so basically getting a lot of action, yet he's still coming up tops on a lot of the stats. And it's the same old story. If he would if he was playing right now in his current form for a Manchester United or a Man City, there'd be no doubt he'd be in the squad. The interesting development in the last few hours or whatever is that Phil Jones has just pulled out of the squad through injury. Now, at the moment, Southgate said that he hasn't got any plans to put, bring anyone else in, but he's going to review it this week and after the Germany game because at the weekend when England take on Lithuania in the actual qualifier, Gary Cahill is suspended and can't play. Now, that's an interesting one given that Cookie's currently in the sun in Dubai. But is there still a chance, I guess, I'm asking you, that he might get called up? Or if he's going to call someone up last minute, is he going to bring in somebody who's never been involved before? Or is he just going to dig deep and bring in someone more experienced like, I don't know, Julian Lescott? <laughs> but, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't think Julian Lescott, because he'll probably be accidentally tweeting pictures of his new sports car. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, I've, I mean, surely a match against Lithuania is the one to bring someone like Steve Cook in rather than playing a high-profile side. Now, I know that in our qualifiers, we don't usually have many difficult matches it usually happens when we're in the actual tournament itself where we play slovenia and then get absolutely hammered or or something like that but surely this would be the game to do it but you know i mean two camps here firstly um obviously i'd love to see a bournemouth player i mean it wouldn't quite be the same feeling if jack wilshire got called up again many people were surprised that he wasn't um but it would be a i would feel so proud for steve cook but uh, in the same breath, I'd also just like to say that I, I'm sort of glad because it means that we've got him fit away from injury. So, yeah, it will happen, though. I do think it will happen. But speaking of Dubai, Sean, these these like mid-season holidays that mm. they seem to have, it doesn't always work out, does it? Because sometimes they've come back and, well, been awful. Yeah, but you makes you wonder because I know last year there was a they had a points total, didn't they? They said afterwards they had a a set target, and if they hit that target, they got to do the trip. So looking at those fixtures that we've just had with the with the six points, I wonder whether there was a give us four points or more, and we'll go ahead with the trip. Had we um, not picked up those points would we still be going i don't know if they did the same thing as last year which was very much target driven then i would say that's why they've earned their trip hmm, interesting so uh speaking of dubai um interesting tweet from bright young eddie on twitter saying field trip to dubai question which is taller the burj khalifa or tyrone mings 78 percent said tyrone mings and it's interesting because <laughs> over new year i was in dubai and i went up to the top uh, the 123rd 
floor of the Burj Khalifa and I did put my hand out the window and I could feel Tyrone Mings's luscious locks. <laughs> no, I couldn't really, but hey, what a, <laughs> what a pole to have. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting match against Hampton at the Vitality. No, it's not the Vitality, it's at uh, St Mary's, isn't it? And uh, I do feel confident and obviously that's based on the, the last three games and the way we're sort of gelling and Southampton aren't exactly, um, their form's not, Great. I mean, the weekend, 2-1 against Southampton at White Hart Lane. Before that, though, they did put together a 4-3 win at Watford. I mean, you could say that's a good result, but Watford pretty much themselves are in free fall. So they did concede three at Watford, which isn't great. Now, obviously, they had the EFL Cup before that. Um, and then the start of February, a 4-0 win against Sunderland. They haven't really been in sort of many testing matches up to that Spurs match recently. So facing a rejuvenated Bournemouth side, what are your thoughts? I mean, what are you thinking is going to happen? Well, it, I guess the big thing is going to be the fitness of Gabbiadini up front, who he came off injured at the weekend. And I know there were some doubts. I mean, I guess from their perspective, having an international break is a great time to try and get your striker fit again. Um, from what I've seen, I really like this player. Um, I think he looks like a fantastic striker, just a natural striker. The runs he makes is it's everything's all about how can he get a goal, which is terrifying when you're coming up against a player of that quality and uh, that style of play. A bit like when you play Defoe, you always know Defoe's going to get a chance. And at the moment, you feel like Gabby Dini's always going to have a chance. So if he doesn't play, that would be great for us. I think I would imagine he'll probably be fit in time. But um, yeah, I think we go into it with good form. And part of me, it's a shame we've got this break now because you felt like there was good momentum. And the trick is, like you were saying with the Dubai trip, does that break that momentum or does it foster it and build it? And does it keep it growing? So it is a it is a good time. It's a 5.30, so it's going to be kind of under lights. and It's on TV and all that stuff. I expect a close game. I actually think... I think we're going to lead for most of the game uh, 1-0. And wow. then I think in the 86-plus minutes, Southampton are going to equalise. I don't know why, but... And then we're going to come away actually feeling a little bit dejected that we didn't pick up three points, but ultimately would still pick up a draw away in the Premier League, which I would take. Really, really interesting. Um, it It's one, one thing with the sort of cup runs and a couple of sort of postponements. Southampton's sort of Premier League fixtures have been really sporadic. They played, they played West Ham at home on Saturday, February the 4th, and then again at Sunderland on February the 11th. Didn't play a Premier League game after February the 11th. The next match was that 4-3, as I said, at Watford, 4th of March, and then another two-week break. And then they played on the 19th of March. So, I don't know. They're, I mean, their Premier League sort of matches have been all over the place. And I, you know, part of me thinks, is this going to maybe bode well for Bournemouth, who've basically had three really good matches in a row? Um, I'm feeling optimistic here. I, you know, I want to say that we're going to win it. And it's possible. It's certainly more possible than it was <laughs> me thinking that three games ago. Um, I'm in the same camp as you, though. I think we've got a couple of goals in us, but... I don't know, I'm going to go for two all for this one, Sean. So there you go, you heard it here first.
This is Steve Jones, and you're listening to Back of the Net. Okay, so you have no doubt been thinking all show. That goal Camogant scored, oh, that amazing bicycle kick. Who was it against and what season? Well, Sammy, put everyone out of their misery. Shall I name and shame? I mean, do you know who it was, Sean? I do. Okay, yeah, it was against Ipswich Town, and it was a goal that was scored in the very, uh, it was like the first or second minute of the match, and unfortunately we drew the game. I think it ended up 2-all in the end. Um, we took the lead uh, 2-1 again, but then Ipswich equalised, but what a goal that was, and summed up very nicely by Chris Temple in the commentary there. What a goal from Jan, and uh, he still seems to be knocking them in for Reading at the moment. I I do miss Jan, and I, when I got to, I got to meet him when I was doing my fanboy thing after training. This was after he just kind of uh, after the what was it? it? Was one of the first games, wasn't it? The first couple of games of the season when he kind of got left out, and he just was talking like a broken man. He was so sad, and he was kind of saying, "Oh, I just hope I get another chance." And oh, such a nice fella. Glad he's doing well. Yeah, good stuff. Now, you may have seen a tweet on our Twitter feed. That's at twitter.com slash podcast because it's the British Podcast Awards. Now, there are so many massive podcasts out there, and we are just a, uh, a mere small, tiny cog in a massive machine of podcasts that get loaded up onto iTunes every week. And it's going to be a shot in the dark, but hey, why not give us a vote? Us at Back of the Net. All you need to do is go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote once you're on the page there's a search box just start typing in back of the net you'll see our logo up here and then register our vote you just need to put your name and your email address and once you click submit that uh yeah you, i mean you never know you never know as sean and i may walk hand in hand down the red carpet at leicester square picking up an award wouldn't that be great hey but yeah really appreciate that now remember you can listen to our podcast via audio boom now so if you go to afcbpodcast.com slash audio boom you can listen to it there and also via twitter and also i've got to say thank you so much for all the shares retweets and comments that we get every single week it really spurs us on to keep you entertained on a weekly basis yeah, and if you head to our Facebook page from today, uh, facebook.com forward slash AFCB podcast, it's a little video I've just shared there of um, Sky after she made her debut the other week, her singing debut. She's now progressed into football management. You can see a little video where she's collecting the championship trophy from her dad's five-a-side team. That's beautiful. And I was quite pleased there. You said debut, Sean. Obviously, doing this weekly podcast, my English is rubbing off on you. I've just, I just tailored it. I just to speak this foreign language that you talk. Just before we go, also want to say, um, if you can submit a review to, uh, via iTunes, that would be much appreciated too. Because we've got five stars at the moment. Thank you to everyone that's got involved. Just head to iTunes or your podcast app. And uh, what we'll do is we'll pin the tweet of how to do it onto our feed as well. Yep. Now, because of the international break, we're going to take a break as well. And we're both going to be jetting off on the back of the net credit card to um, 
Well, I don't know, I might go for a walk down the road to the beach and maybe treat myself to an ice cream and Sammy will probably go up to the local offie and get himself a can of G&T. Go on, Sammy, you deserve it. <laughs> but we will be back after the Southampton game. So that's on the first. So the week after that, the Tuesday, whatever it will be, the fourth, expect the next episode to drop. But as always, thank you for your ears and you have been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. And it's coming through the middle. Recovering challenge from Edward. He's He's onside. Hater. He's got it. (laughs) It's absolutely unbelievable. James Hater has a three-minute hat-trick at Dean Court. Podcast Network.